I believe that God deserves some praise as a result of that. God deserves some praise. Oh, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. As that song was going on, how he loves us. I just, this week has been one heck of a week. Whenever you have a word that God has given you to share with people, the enemy, he just comes at you in so many different ways. Uh, I was afraid, uh, feelings of fear, doubt, questioning whether or not I should even be able to do this or whether or not I should be doing it uh, because Lord knows that um, I've struggled in my life and there have been some sins that I've committed. And the enemy reminds you of these things. He begins to re- remind you of sins you've committed in your life. You, you start to be reminded of sins you committed when you was like five years old. And you just start thinking like, I don't know if God's going to use me. Um, and I just started to repent and just repent. You know how everybody has that one song you repent to? You know, whenever you're going through something. Hezekiah Walker calling my name. That's my song. Every time I've done something wrong, I play that song. And I've played it like a hundred times this week. I'm not even going to lie. I've played it a hundred times this week just asking God just to forgive me, just to use me. I know I'm not worthy. I know I should not be standing up here right now. But I know that God has a word for us. Amen? Um, I'm a little nervous, and I kind of want to share a story just to start off, just to calm my nerves down. Is that okay? Uh, (laughs) There was a millionaire that was known for throwing some of the best parties in town. And every year, I mean, his parties were lit. For all my old folks in the crowd, that's, just, that's another way of saying they were outstanding. They were amazing. And, and every year, he would call up the local aquarium, and he would order all these sharks and alligators and stingrays, and he would have them placed inside of his pool. And he would pose this challenge to the people that were in attendance. He would say, if there's a man or a woman that's brave enough to swim from one end of the pool to the next, I'll write you a check for a million dollars. I'll sign over a deed to one of my oil wells. And as soon as he finished saying this, everybody heard a big splash. And there was a man in the water swimming frantically, desperately trying not to be devoured by the beast. And somehow he must have been like Michael Phelps because the bone boy, he jumped out the pool, man. He's soaking wet. He's drenched in water. He's panting for his life. And the millionaire said, my goodness, in all the 20 years that I've posed this challenge, not once has anyone ever done this. He said, well, would you like me to write you a check for a million dollars? The man surprisingly said no. He said, well, would you like me to sign over a deed to one of my oil wells? And the man once again said no. He said, well, I mean, I have a beautiful daughter. She's about to be of age. Would you like me to give you my daughter in marriage? The brother again said no. So at this point, the millionaire is getting agitated. He's like, well, what do you want? And he said, all I want to know is who pushed me in. Brothers, brothers and sisters, when you, when you stand up here in front of all your beautiful faces and somewhat intimidating faces, I ain't going to lie. I'm nervous. I need God to calm my nerves down right now. It's easy to feel like you've been thrown in. Amen. But I believe by the grace of God that God's going to enable me to swim. Swim, sir. Swim. I want us to turn real quick here to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. If you don't know where that is, say, help me, Lord. <laughs> I, need, I need some help. You got some deeper issues. And we're going to turn to Genesis 25, verse 27, okay? What, what chapter is it? 25. And what verse? 27. Amen. And the Bible says, Isaac loved Jacob. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm slipping. I'm slipping up already. The Bible says, Isaac loved Jacob and Esau. No, that's wrong. That's wrong again, right? No, the Bible says Isaac loved Esau. 
because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. The title of my sermon is, Sometimes I Feel Like a Fatherless Child. God Almighty. Father, I need you right now. I am not trained. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a preacher. This is my second time preaching, God, and I need you, God, more than these people know. So I, I'm looking to you, God, to empower me, to touch my tongue. They don't need to hear from me right now, but, God, they need to hear from you. Amen. Have your way today, oh, God. Bind anything that would come in between the people hearing the word of God. Amen. And we thank you. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I feel like a fatherless child. There is perhaps no song that best captures the pain and despair that must have been felt by innocent Negro children torn from their families to be sold into slavery. Like that old Negro, Negro spiritual, sometimes I feel like a motherless child. This song created by the tongues of slaves has somehow managed to remain alive today. Artists from all different genres, from Mahalia Jackson to Ghostface Killer, surprisingly, to John Legend have from Ghostface Killer, surprisingly, yes, yes, to John Legend, have beautifully sung the song. And I believe that one of the reasons why it's been able to remain relevant is because people are able to identify with the spirit of the song. The song in its original creation expressed the hopelessness felt by children torn from a parental place of refuge to be delivered into the hands of a foreign master. And the subsequent yearning that they felt in that moment or from time to time for the loving presence of their mothers. And it was in that condition, a long ways from home, with your life being completely turned upside down. And a bitter awareness and reality would begin to settle in that my life is never going to be the same again. And that the right given to me by God to be raised and nurtured by a loving mother would forever be denied. The feelings of loss, the feelings of pain, the feelings of abandonment. It was in that condition that thousands of slaves would begin to cry out, God Almighty, that sometimes. I feel like a motherless child. Fast forward about a century and a half. The plantation slave apparatus has come to an end. Amen. Uh, Traditional forms of slavery have come to an end. Amen. But I can still hear the same cry. Can I be honest, brothers and sisters? I still hear it. I still hear it. Oh, God almighty. I still hear the same cry. Children are no longer being torn from their mothers to be sold into slavery. But with the rising rates of divorce and parental abandonment and single-parent mothers and mass incarceration, our children are no longer being torn to be sold into slavery, but there's a new kind of slavery going on today. Children are now being torn and robbed of a loving relationship with their fathers. So we have now successfully traded the word mother with father, and the cry that can now be heard in all of our communities is, sometimes I feel like a fatherless child. The wounds created by the lack of a father can not be underestimated. The effects can be devastating and life-changing. Nothing affects one's viewpoint, their self-worth and self-esteem and how they view themselves in a grand scheme of the world like the father wound. I believe that it is the single most destructive thing happening to the youth of our generation today. I was reading an article about this. Maybe you guys know about this, but they said that one out of four children are growing up without fathers. Do you hear me? One out of four. And it gets even worse when you go to the chocolate side of town because they say that 72% of our children under the age of 18 are growing up in a single-parent household. 
the crazy thing about it is the overwhelming percentage of that 72% is represented by sisters that are raising children on their own. In other words, if me and Andre to go to the basketball court right now, if we went to East 276th Street, randomly picked out 10 brothers, 7 out of 10 are dealing with the father wound. Do you hear me? 7 out of 10. And it's crazy because we live in a society right now where there's a growing number of people that look at these young brothers and they're conditioned to look at them as, as, as gangsters and thugs and bad people or all they see is the anger and the bitterness and the resentment, but they don't see the father wound because that's because their eyes have been trained not to see the father wound, but they only see the problem. Do you hear me, God Almighty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not just the sisters, our brothers that are suffering with the father wound. Many of our sisters are also dealing with this as well. That's true. I was actually watching this show called Ayana Fix My Life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ayana Fix My Life. I hope I'm not losing no man points over this, but I was, I, I was watching, I might be. I was watching this show, and there's this sister named Lyra Galore. And basically her story is <laughs> she was an ex-stripper that ended up getting engaged with Rick Ross. If, you don't, if y'all don't know who that is, he's a hip-hop artist. And she got engaged with him, and basically the, the marriage just ended up horribly. It burned up in flames, and she's all damaged about the situation. She's all tired about it. And she's like, Ayana, I need you to fix my life. So she comes down to the show, and I don't know, man. I got to be honest today. I'm listening to her story, and I'm trying to sympathize. I'm, I'm trying to have sympathy, but a part of me kind of feels like you should have known better. It's Rick Ross. I mean, if you listen to his lyrics, like, homeboy doesn't really do a good job of, like, holding women in high repute. You know what I'm saying? Like, he doesn't really display women in the most flattering light. So I'm kind of like, you should have known better. Now, you may be saying that, yo, your lyrics don't always have to line up with your personal views. But I kind of feel like there has to be some correlation, right? You may be saying, like, well, you can't always help who you fall in love with. I got it. I got it. Some of y'all learned that the hard way. Amen. Come on now. Tell the truth and shame the devil. You, oh, yeah, you thought you was dating Stefan. He turned out to be Urkel. You, you, you thought you was dating Daddy. He turned out to be, or she turned out to be Seely. Uh, but although, although you may not be able to control who you fall in love with, you can control who you let into your circle. I'm kind of like, you let him in, boo-boo. You get it. You only listen. You deserve what you got. And then she starts talking about how she was a stripper and how she's damaged by that. Can I be honest today? And I'm listening to her story, and I'm kind of like, well, nobody forced you to be a stripper. Come on now. Nobody forced you to dance on that pole, girl. I got to be honest. That's what I'm thinking in my head. I got to be honest. Nobody forced you to do that. It's not like you went to a job fair, and the only business that showed up was a strip club. You had options. But then... Homegirl starts sharing her story. Yo, just, she starts talking about how her father never had a relationship with her. Never wanted anything to do with her. In fact, her father lived three houses down from her and never came to see her. God Almighty. And then the conviction just kind of came in. I'm like, man, I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand why certain decisions would be made. But that's how we do it sometimes, right? We, quit, we, we just jump to assumptions. We, we jump to judgments, okay? And we, we, we see the pregnant teen. We, we see the girl that's dressed scantily because she's seeking attention. We see homeboy that is being rebellious because his father wasn't in his life, so he starts sagging his pants, and we jump into judgment mode, and we like, how dare she dress like that, and how dare she get pregnant, and how dare, because yet again, we focus not on the father wound, 
not on the pain that causes the decisions they make. Oh, God Almighty, I know I'm speaking the truth up in here. I don't need nobody to talk back to me right now. Mm. And it's not just the youth that are dealing with this father wound. It's not just celebrities and people outside the church that are dealing with the father wound. In fact, many of us right now are still dealing with the mental and psychological repercussions of a father that didn't love us as we deserve to be loved. A father that focused more on what you did wrong instead of what you did right. A father that commented more on your, on your attitude and your weight issues instead of your accomplishments and your beauty. I know I'm talking the truth up in here. So all you heard all your life was, when are you going to get your act together? And when are you going to lose some weight? And how long are you going to be stuck on stupid, girl? God almighty. And you could, uh, these psychological repercussions of fathers that neglected us, fathers that focused more on financial stability instead of emotional security because they figured it was better to put food on the table than it was to attend your talent shows and your sporting events. And these psychological wounds created from these neglects still wound our inner being to this day. Fathers that were abusive and fathers that were alcoholics and fathers that simply weren't there. These memories and experiences have been so buried into our subconscious that we don't even realize the consequences. That's why you don't trust nobody. That's why you think all men are dogs. And to give your allegiance to a man is a waste of time. Oh, no, I'm talking to myself right here. That's why you can't treat no woman like a queen. You treat her like a stock, trading on the stock market. You buy her when she's up. You sell her when she's down. I know I'm speaking the truth, God Almighty. Father wounds. How many of us are dealing with father wounds? The imagery of my grandfather stumbling into my mother's childhood home with the stinge of alcohol on his breath as he would proceed to paint the floor orange with everything he had ate that day has forever stained my mother's mind. To this day, my mother can't stand the sight of liquor. You can't even use the word alcohol in a sentence. You best come up with a different word. You got to. Because even the word invokes memories of when tears would be strolling down her eyes and she would be forced to clean up my father's vomit, father wounds. There is no single root cause to the development of the father wound in our lives. The causes are as diverse as the people in this room, but the universal cry is still the same. The yearning for love and acceptance. The constant struggle for identity and to know with confidence who you are are all symptoms of the father wound. Nothing illustrates the father wound more perfectly than the life of Jacob. (laughs) The scripture tells us that Isaac loved Esau. Rebecca, she loved herself some Jacob. (laughs) That's just how mothers be rolling, though. You know what I'm saying? Whenever they see that there's one child that's getting, like, overt favoritism, they're going to lean to the other side and be like, all right, that's my boy. So that's what happened. She was like, Jacob's my boy. But it's crazy because Jacob was the child of promise. Yes, sir. He was the child of destiny. Yes. He was the beloved of God. But yet he did not have the love of his own father. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his venison, but really because he represent, represented everything that he wasn't. It's kind of like with Donald Trump. Listen, I am convinced Can I be honest? I am convinced that the reason why the majority of people endorse Donald Trump and they're supporting Donald Trump is because he represents everything they want to be. 
Yeah, the, the unapologetic arrogance and the unfiltered sexist and racist comments that he makes with ease speaks to a lack of sensitivity and boldness that they wish they had. They want to be able to say what he says. They want to be able to do what he do, does. But they don't have the courage to say it, so they rather live vicariously due to Donald, due to Donald Trump. Got on, buddy. Which is basically just another way of saying they skirt. They skirt. They want to be able to say build a, build a wall. They, they want to be able to say kick all the illegals out. They want to be able to say that all Negroes are lazy. They bumps. They want to say it. <sighs> but they'd rather just leave it up to Donald Trump to say it. And they'd rather just support him with his vote. But that was kind of the dynamic between Esau and Isaac. Esau was a man of self-gratification. He was a man that always lived in the moment. He always lived in the present. He always he loved the wild, the wild freedom of the chase. That's why he became a hunter. He was a fearless warrior. Whatever he wanted, he got. Anything he wanted. Isaac, on the other hand, he was quiet and peaceful, but he loved the daring and vigor of his son. He who would, who would fearlessly traverse the mountains and the deserts, and he would always come back with game, always come back with his father's favorite food. How many of you guys know that the, the, the best way to a man's stomach or a man's heart is through his stomach? Come on now. Ladies, this is true. This is not a myth. This is not a myth. And your boy Esau knew that, and he prided himself on always being able to up his brother Jacob with the oxtails and the curry goat and the... Ribeye steaks, he was able to bring his father Isaac. And I could just imagine that every time he would walk into the house, he had that sly smile on his face like, yo, I got these ribeyes. What you doing? Are you, are you cooking some curry chickpea soup? Like, what you working on? <laughs> so Jacob was always coming up short. Always. And Jake Esau, being a showboat and loved, he loved being the center of his father's affections, he never wasted a moment of showing uh, Jacob that he was beneath him. See, with Esau, everything he wanted, he got. And with Jacob, everything he wanted, he didn't get. And this is the environment that Jacob had to grow up in. Some of y'all have to be able to identify with Jacob. You got to be. You work your butt off studying for the exam, and that one person that don't never show up to class, don't never study, ends up getting a better grade than you. I know I'm speaking the truth up in here. Or better yet, you love the Lord. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you're not out here having sex, but every time you go on Instagram, you see all your friends that don't love the Lord, that aren't in church, that ain't paying tithes, straight up living it up. They're traveling the world, they're taking pictures with Bay in Greece, they fly in private while you fly in spirit, and you begin to wonder. You begin to wonder, what am I doing wrong, and why am I always coming up short, and why can't I ever win? Mm. The consequence of Isaac's insensitive favoritism towards Esau were the consequential feelings of neglect and unworthiness felt by Jacob. So because Jacob never received the approval or affirmation of his father, it created in him a desperate need for validation, intimacy, a sense of worthiness. And he was willing to do whatever it takes to fill the void created by the father wound, even if it included deceit and manipulation. Oh, God Almighty, help me, Lord. Hmm. So the Bible tells us that Jacob was cooking some lentil soup one day uh, when your boy Esau came in from the field, and he was weary, and Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with some same red stew, for I'm weary. 
And I can imagine Jacob thinking, I got him. Like, got him. I got him. This is my moment. I'm about to, I'm about to take this birthright. And Jacob was like, yo, sell me your birthright. Sell it to me as of this day. <laughs> now, listen, there are some trades you can make where both parties come out winning. You know what I'm talking about? Then there are some trades you make where one person comes out winning, the other person comes out losing. I mean, let's just say that Esau came out losing in this one. He goes on to tell Jacob, what good is a birthright to me when I'm about to die? <laughs> I mean, their brother knew he wasn't going to die. Was he really about to die? I mean, did he not have food yesterday? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, did he not eat that whole week? Like, did you not eat for a whole one? I'm tripping about this. Like, well, you, you're about to die, really? And plus, this family was not broke. Was that the only food in the house? Like, seriously. I mean, you're talking about Isaac. The, the, I mean, this ain't the PJs from the projects. Like, these, these folk was not broke. They was paid. The Bible says in Genesis 13, 2, that Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. All of that inheritance passed down to Isaac. So it's safe to say they had food in the fridge. They was paid. I was actually reading an article about this, and they were actually calculating the net worth of biblical characters. So if you take, like, all their cattle and sheep and all that kind of stuff like that, and you calculate it based off present values, your boy Job was worth about $20.8 million. $20.8. And they said if you include all the land and houses, homeboy was worth about a half a billion dollars. Now, I ain't no prosperity preacher, but come on now. I want that blessing on my life. I got it. I want that blessing on my life, man. Abraham was rich, too. Abraham was paid. The crazy thing about Abraham, like, Abraham owned mad land. You can't even calculate his net worth. They, they were like, man, we don't even know how much he was worth. Solomon was up there, too. These people were paid. I mean, but I don't understand. I, that's what I've been struggling with. Why were you willing to, for a pot of stew, you know what I'm saying, give up everything? And it just goes to show when you're living in the flesh, when you're driven by the flesh, and you care more about temporary satisfaction and gratification, you miss out on what you're about to lose in the big picture. Oh, God Almighty. You miss out. You miss out. You focused on, on, on having sex because of the temporary gratification, but you don't know that you're losing the anointing in the process. You still focus on getting high and getting drunk, and God wants to bless you. God wants to give you an inheritance, but because you still focus on it now, you're missing out on your future. Mm. To fully understand the magnitude of what he was forfeiting for a bowl of chickpea soup, you have to understand the nature and significance of the birthright. See, the birthright was a spiritual privilege that represented the excellency of dignity. The excellency of power, as well as a double portion of worldly inheritance. The person that inherited the birthright was not only the recipient of honor, but he was the recipient of great wealth. And given the fact that Isaac was, like I said, the son of Abraham, he was about to be paid. It was about to be a major come up for Jacob. For, and it's, <laughs> Ellen G. White tells us that the spiritual birthright was the object of Jacob's longing. To commune with God, as did righteous Abraham, to offer the sacrifice of atonement for his family, to be the progenitor of the chosen people and of the promised Messiah, and to inherit the immortal possessions embraced in the blessings of the covenant. Here were the privileges and honors that kindled his most ardent desires. In other words, Jacob wanted to be significant. 
He wanted the love and spiritual blessing that came with that significance. To be recognized amongst the line of people that would give birth to the Son of God would finally give him the validation he had been seeking for. All his life he had been overlooked and all his life he had never been good enough and all his life he was never approved of. To him, this would change everything. Oh, God Almighty. Mm. So, uh, Jacob, knowing that his brother uh, lacked some self-control and was all too focused and driven by his flesh, he takes advantage of him and compels him to sell the birthright. And if that wasn't bad enough, Jacob then conspires along with his mother in an intricate plot to deceive his father (laughs) into receiving the blessing. So you can't underestimate the link that people are going to do or what they're willing to do in order to feel validated and loved. People are willing to do whatever it takes, God Almighty. The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we just follow our hearts. You know, we just society tells you all the time, just follow your heart. But where is that getting us? See, here's the issue. All of us. The father wound creates an emptiness, a yearning for love, and the heart deceives you into thinking that you can be filled by money, you can be filled by fame, you can be filled by popularity, you can be filled by finding the right partner. And it's it's just this endless cycle of trying to find things to make you feel whole and complete. I know my heart has deceived me many a times into thinking that I can fill my void with money or with woman, with career, and it continues to fill me. Mm-hmm. What is your heart deceived you into thinking will fill your void? What is it that you're chasing after that you think is going to make you complete and whole? What is it that you have been deceived into thinking will satisfy the deep cravings of your heart without God? You know, there's actually a, there's, there's a video I want to show. There's this movie called Gladiator. Anybody know what I'm talking about, Gladiator? Any, any fans of Gladiator in the house? Okay, amen. I mean, this is just... One of my favorite, favorite, can we get that video going? You can work on it. You should be able to hook up to my hotspot. And I think this, this, this movie just represents, it really just drives home this whole dilemma that uh, Jacob was dealing with. If we could just get that. It doesn't have any, you can't hear the, the voice, but you can read the subtitles. Amen? Y'all can read, right? Okay. Amen. Amen, amen. Volume.
ready to rule once more. Rome is to be a republic again. Maximus. My decision disappoints you? You wrote to me once, listing the four chief virtues. Wisdom, justice, fortitude, and temperance. As I read the list, I knew I had none of them. But I have other virtues, Father. That can be a virtue when it drives us to excel. Resourcefulness, courage, perhaps not on the battlefield, but there are many forms of courage. Devotion to my family, to you. But none of my virtues won your list. Even then, it was as if you didn't want me for your son. Commodus, you go too far. I search the faces of the gods. Always to please you. To make you proud. One kind word. One full hug. You pressed me to your chest and held me tight. Would have been like the sum of my heart for a thousand years. false as a son is my failure as a father. Basically, man, Commodus, his father, Caesar, and <laughs> all his life, Maximus, just, uh, his, his father, Caesar, never loved him, never gave him no time. Maximus, on the other hand, wasn't even his son, but he loved him like a son. Maximus was that dude. I mean, like, this dude was a general. He was a, a warrior. He would go on these uh, campaigns and just literally just, like, conquer all these lands. Like, he was that dude. When Maximus walked into a room, all the dudes were like, yo, Maximus, you that guy, what's up? Like, what's up? Like, he got mad props. Commodus, no, no, I mean, like, nobody cared about Commodus. Nobody cared about him. You know, Maximus was the man's man. His, uh, his father loved him. But Commodus was neglected. And I remember when I first saw this movie, 
I remember just thinking like, yo, like I hate Commodus. You know what I'm saying? Like he killed Maximus' family, like murdered them, like in like in the most epic fashion, like hang like the children, and like it was just crazy what he did. Uh, he ends up fighting Maximus in the end, but he like stabs him so that it's not going to be a fair fight. You know what I'm talking about? So like you just you just you don't really like Commodus. You don't you don't like him. He has shady character. He's not an upstanding guy, but. Man, I kind of feel for him now a little bit. I feel for Commodus. Because like I said, I mean, the guy, his own father, never loved him. So all his life he's thinking, okay, if I can't have my father's love, then maybe if I'm emperor, that's going to make me feel validated. That's going to make me feel good about myself. Finally, I'm going to be accepted. Finally, I'm going to mean something. And he was just willing to do whatever it took to get to that point. Many of us do the same thing, too. I mean, there is a need in the heart of every child for an intimacy and a connection that only a father can give. It is this level of intimacy and connection that helps a child to navigate the pain of rejection or the onslaught of worldly opinions that constantly causes one to doubt and to question their identity. Listen, I don't want this to be misconstrued or misinterpreted or to be taken the wrong way. This is not a slight against mothers. Listen to me. I am a product of a single-parent mother. I'm a product. So I understand that mothers are of supreme importance. I mean, they say there's nothing like a mother's love. You ever heard that? Ain't nothing like a mother's love. I mean, you could be a crackhead, a pimp, a leader of a communist party. You could be a Donald Trump supporter. Your mother's still going to find something good to say about you. Amen? She's going to find something good to say about you. That's just how mothers love. So if mothers are important to man, they're also very important to God. After all, you are the chosen agent of God that God uses to bring something out of nothing. Regardless of what society says, your value is not based on your ability to arouse and sexually satisfy a man's unending sex drive. And we know it can be unending. But you are the very incubator that God uses to bring God's thoughts into life. So mothers are important. But even if you birth him and even if you bring that child into, into your life, in, into life, your mother can say all your life that I love you, that you're special, that you're going to be great, that you're a king, you're a queen. But it's when your father tells you that it means something. Oh, God Almighty. It has the power to validate and confirm the purpose that God birthed in you before the existence of time. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Mm. Many of us, like Jacob, never received the validation from our fathers so that we may be secure in who we truly are. So what do we do? We we say in our hearts, I don't need a father. I don't need his love. I don't need his acceptance. I'll go out into this world and find this so-called acceptance on my own. Uh, How many of you guys know that statements like that are birthed out of pain? Ain't nothing but pain. Your girl Solange, man, she has this song called uh, Crane in the Sky. She has this new album. And she's talking about, I don't know if this is too secular, but anyways, she's talking about this new album that she has in this song, Crane in the Sky. She's talking about this void she has. And she's like, man, I'm trying everything to get rid of this void and ain't nothing working. I tried to drink it away. I tried to put one in the air. I I tried to dance it away. I tried to change it with my hair. I ran my credit card bill up thinking that a new dress would make it better. I tried to work it away, but that just made me sadder. I I tried to keep myself busy. I tried to sleep it away. I tried to sex it away. I tried to read it away. I tried to run it away. I tried to let go of my lover, thought if I was alone, then maybe I could recover. 
I tried to write it away and cry it away, but nothing seemed to satisfy. And in like fashion, we convince ourselves that the void created by the father wound, the desire for love and validation created by the father wound can be satisfied if we're popular enough or rich enough, if we find the right career, if we find the perfect spouse or the perfect children, if I get into the graduate program I've been dreaming about. Maybe this bottle of rosé is going to make me feel better, or maybe the drug's going to make me feel better. And we continue on this vicious cycle, and it never ends. Your boy Jacob had everything. Jacob had, through cutting wit, taken uh, the birthright from his brother, still felt empty. Jacob had deceived his father into receiving the blessing, still felt empty. Jacob worked, what, seven years plus seven for the woman of his dream, still felt empty. How do we know this? Because the Bible tells us that when Jacob was left alone, a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You have been blessed. He had the woman of his dreams. He had the birthright. But hear what I'm talking about. When you have a father wound, nothing's enough. I don't mind it. Nothing's enough. And in every situation, I'm sure Jacob felt that finally that vacancy in my heart's going to be satisfied. That emptiness is going to be gone. But every situation, I'm pretty sure he got the birthright. He was like, oh, I'm feeling good. I'm, like, I'm that dude, da, da, da. And then he felt empty again. Got the woman of his dreams. I mean, the Bible says that when he saw Rachel, homeboy looked up to heaven and began to weep. He began to cry when he saw her because yo, he was like, yo, this is it. But it wasn't until he wrestled with God. God gave him a new name. Did he not? Changed his name to Israel. It was at that point that he received the validation his heart had been looking for. You see, the father wound compels us to search for validation and acceptance in all the places it can't be found. And here lies the real problem. The further you drive yourself to seek fulfillment and validation from the world, the further you run away from the one being that can satisfy the deep cravings of your heart. Jesus has made it clear to us that the same voice he heard at the river of Jordan can be heard by us. Do you understand what I'm saying? That when the sky opened up and the light began to sign on Jesus and the Bible says that God said, this is my son who I'm, who I'm well pleased. Do you believe that God says it about you? Amen. The Bible says that God says in, in 2 Corinthians six eighteen, he says, I'll be their father and they'll be my sons and daughter. How many of you guys really believe that up in here? Just as Jesus has a home with his father in heaven, God Almighty, we have a home with him as well. How many of you guys, i got to ask a question. Can I get one of these mics to work real quick? The yellow one? Can I guess? Hello? How many of you guys had good fathers? Raise your hand. Okay, we got about 30% maybe? 25? You, uh, okay. Dre, why was your father so good? Talk to me. Well, he was good because... Um, he was a very supportive father. Um, he was a disciplinarian, excellent provider. Um, he was an encourager. 
Um, he was crazy funny, still is to this day. Um, you know, he was just a really, really, um, he wasn't an overbearing father. He was understanding, still is to this day. And he always found the good in a negative situation. And he took care of my mother. They've been married for 55 years. So, yeah. Amen, 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 amen. Who, who else had a good father? My sister right here. Talk to us while your father was so good. My dad taught me how anything that a man can do, I can do. And he taught me how a man is supposed to treat a woman. And he showed me that by how he treated my mother and how he treated my brother. He taught us how that even though we were black, that we are equal, if not better, than anyone else. Oh, my. Okay, wow, wow. He validated you. Uh, one more, one more person. Who had a good father? Uh, oh, well, you right here, so. <laughs> talk to um, me, talk to me. My dad was extremely protective. Um, he was loving. He was playful. He was encouraging. Um, he was a fantastic babysitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and not only did he raise his own children, but he raised all his stepchildren as yeah. well. Wow. He yeah. took all of them. He took all 15 under his wing. Yeah, he did. Mm. Wow. Okay, so. Hello? Hello? Okay. So we just heard. Um, we just heard that fathers. My sister said she had a sense of self-worth because of her father. Um, my, my brother says that my father provided. Um, he was funny, just a good guy, great personality, uh, good provider, took care of us. How many of us really view God that way? Like seriously, like honestly, like, I mean, my struggle is that for the longest, when I look at God, I look at him as Jesus' father, but I don't really look at him as my father. I don't. I'm being honest right now. I'm, I'm dead serious. I look at him as supreme. I look at him as alpha and omega. I look at him as the creator of all things. But as far as him being my daddy, I don't. God almighty. If your father was Bill Gates, you would not be tripping about no bills. Honestly, you would not be tripping about no bills. You wouldn't be tripping about no mortgage. If your father was Barack Obama, like just imagine if Barack was your daddy. Like if somebody messed with you, you're about to send a secret service to somebody's house. Like somebody about, somebody, something's about to go down, right? But God's your father, and you, we trip about stuff. We trip about bills. We trip about a potential foreclosure. We trip about student loans. How you going to trip about these financial things when your father says that I own cattle on a thousand hills? How you going to trip about being single and I can't find no man and I can't find no woman when the Bible says that God can create man or woman out of dust? How are we tripping about these kind of things? The reason why we don't really look at God as our father. We don't. I'm about, I'm about to break this pulpit. We don't. We don't. We do not look at him as father. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 through 5 that 
we have been predestined into a sonship. God Almighty. Do you really, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that you're a child of God? Do you really believe that Jesus came from heaven onto earth and he went from earth to the cross and that your debts have been paid? And as a result of that, you are a child of God. That when God looks at you, he does not see someone different from Jesus. He looks at you the same way he looks at Jesus. God Almighty. But that was me. I mean, that was me. I'm, I'm, I got to be honest. My, 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 I have had a, I've had a hard time looking at God as a father, man. See, when you've had an issue with your father, you tend to project that on your dad. Do you hear me? Because my father didn't provide, he left when I was nine years old. In fact, my mother, when she was pregnant with me, my father wrote her a note and was like, we, I'm out. I'm leaving to go with my first wife. My mother almost died giving birth to me because of the pain and the stress she was going through. She had two daughters. I was seven months. She was seven months pregnant with me, and my father wrote her a note. Didn't even have, he, you know, he, didn't even, he didn't even hit her up on the phone. It was like, yo, I'm going to my first wife. He wrote her a note. She came home one day, and he was like, yo, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. God told me to do this. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Somehow, my mom, they got back together. He left when I was nine. And I remember I looked at my mother, and I said, who's going to be my hero now? Everything I had done was for my daddy. I was on the beta club because it was my dad. I did well in sports because it was my dad. And I was like, yo, how am I going to live? How am I going to become a man when I don't got him in my life? God Almighty. And there was a void inside of me. I got to be honest today. There was a void inside of me, an emptiness. And like I said, the heart is deceitful. It deceives you into thinking that it can be filled with all the wrong things. So, I went to liquor, I went to, I went to, I, I, you know, I went to even, even in, the, you know, I got to be honest today, that even when I joined the church, I thought that I was going to be free, I thought that I was going to be whole and complete, but it wasn't the case. I said that, okay, if I get the right career, and God's just been shutting doors with, with PNC, man, I've, I've had job offers, but before, because I want to be, I want to adhere to my religious convictions, I don't want to work on the Sabbath, doors are being closed. Got two job offers I just can't take. I was like, yo, deuces, I can't take these jobs. There's more money. It's going to be able to help my mom. My mom got lupus. She's struggling right now. I'm mad with God. I'm like, yo, this is really going to help me out. I just can't do it. And I was trying to find validation in a job. And when that wasn't working out, you try to find validation in, in women. I got to be honest today. I don't care. I really don't care. So what? You, you, so you get, in, you get into this cycle of, you go from one woman to another woman to another woman, and the problem ain't them. The problem's you. They're perfect. They're beautiful. Ain't nothing wrong with them. You're the issue. You're the one that's wounded. God Almighty. And I had to repent to God, man. I had to repent and just cry out to him and just apologize for all my sins and all the wrongs I've done because I didn't realize that in searching for things to bring to, to heal the father wound, I was distancing myself from him. I think that applies to all of us in this room, honestly. I think it does. I mean, we have to understand that the enemy, this is a war. The enemy hates your guts. The enemy wants you destroyed. 
The enemy is doing whatever is in his power to cause your purpose to be denied. So before you even formed in your, in, 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 his, in, your, in your mother's womb, he had a plan for your destruction. Do you believe that? Do you understand what I'm saying? So he said, I'm going to bring an abusive father into your life, and I'm going to bring a father that abuses you, and I'm going to bring a father that neglects you, and I'm going to bring a father that doesn't, that, that, that's not there. I'm going to do all that because I don't want her or him to trust me. I don't want, him, I don't, I don't want them to trust God, so I'm going to bring all kind of havoc into their life. Oh, God Almighty. That's what he does. I was actually reading something in Ellen G. White, and she says how the enemy has these meetings with demons and how demons are assigned to your life, to you. Demons are assigned to your life, to you, to you, to you. They're assigned to you. They don't want you to live out your purpose. But more importantly, they don't want you to know who your real father is. You are a child of God. Your father created the universe by speaking it into existence. God Almighty. I don't even know what else to say. Brother, you can start playing something right now. How much of our life would be less stressful? How much of our life would we not have to deal with painful situations if we really knew that God was our Father? You've been tripping about a daddy that wasn't there, and you got daddy issues, and I get it, I've had daddy issues too, but when I realize that I've been tripping about the wrong person, our fathers, man, they're human beings. Come on now. Our, our fathers are human beings. They make mistakes. They have flaws. Not everybody is blessed to have a father like Roscoe, but our daddies, they do the best they can. But I know a father that will never fail you. God Almighty. I know a father that will provide all of your needs. I, I know a father that will protect you. And when the enemy comes with all of these attacks, God can say, I got you. All this week, he's been reminding me of, the enemy's been reminding me of all my sins and the times I had sex outside of marriage and the, the times I lusted. And the God said, man, don't, don't think about that. I got you. He just said, turn away from your sin. Where sin abounds, does not grace abound even more. He was like, I got you. I've forgiven you. Man, it's been a hard me to forgive myself for some of the things I've done. I'm so critical of myself. I'm so hard on myself. I, 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 I want my, he's the only, he's the only daddy I got. He's he the only daddy I got. And I want to please him. I want to make him proud. And I hate it when I lie and when I sin and I do things and it goes against his will. But he's been showing me, he was like, man, my love covers all of your sins. I was, going, I was going to Atlanta one time, and I, I was on the plane, and anybody ever write a letter from God to yourself? You just, you just start writing, and God just be like writing stuff. And I'm writing this letter. <laughs> oh, my God. And God was like, my love covers all of your sins. Thank you, 
there's nothing you can ever do to change that. This happened when I went to Atlanta. I got around some friends I used to hang out with in college. I got, we started drinking and had something to smoke. And uh, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was tripping. And I just began to repent. I began to repent. And then God said, go to that letter. Go to the letter that I wrote you on that plane and remind yourself that your sins, that blessed is the man whose sins are not counted against him. God, he's merciful. Before I was even born, before we was even born, he knew all the sins you were going to commit. He knew all the wrong you was going to do. And he still sent his son to die for you. God Almighty. God as, as, as a supreme being, an alpha and omega, but you ain't really been looking at him as a father. Can everybody just stand up real quick? We're just going to close this thing out. I think we all need to realize who we really are. The enemy been deceiving us for fall too long. Been leading us into thinking that we orphan children, that God don't love us, that maybe He loves Jesus, but He don't love us like Jesus. But the Bible says that Jesus said that my prayers that they may know that you love them. Oh God, as you have loved me. My brother, the same way that God looks at Jesus, He looks at Jesus. My sister, the same way God looks at Jesus, he looks at you. God Almighty. We tripping about the little things. When you are a child of the Almighty God. If you have not been looking at God as a father, if you got be honest with yourself right now. If you have not been looking at God as a father, you've been tripping, you've been stressed out, you've been worried, you've been anxious about some things, you don't think that God's going to come through. Because maybe you don't really think that God loves you. You, you. you know it theologically. You know it with your mind. But do you know it with your heart? Do you know it in your heart that God loves you as his child? Do you know that? If you want to come into a relationship with your father, can you just come down so we can pray for you right now? If you've been looking at him the wrong way, and you've been looking at him as your daddy but you want to have that kind of relationship with him can you just come down right now and so we can pray for you that changed my life so many nights where I'm just, I'm just crying. I, got, I, ain't, I ain't going front. Yeah, I cry. And I just, I, you know, I just be crying like, God, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how you're going to come through. I, I don't believe you're going to. I got debt. I got this job I don't like. Doors are closing. I, I, I need some help. And I really don't think God's going to come through. I'm saying it, but inside, I don't really think he's going to come through. And God said, know who your father is. God Almighty. 
Father, I just, I come to you right now in this moment. Recognizing that, oh God, we fall short so many times. And if we're honest, sometimes we feel empty. Sometimes there's that void. Sometimes we got that yearning for love and acceptance. And if we got to be honest, sometimes we go to all the wrong places to fill us up. But God, I'm learning now that you're all I need. You're all I need. Oh, God, I can feel the, I can feel the sky opening up, and I can feel just like how Jesus felt in that river of Jordan. I feel like God is just shining down on us all right now, and he's saying, this is my son and my daughter. I am pleased with you. I'm pleased. God, I'm praying for every person that came up. They've been looking at you as Jesus' father, but they ain't been looking at you as they father. They've been looking at you as the king of kings and the lord of lords and the god of the universe, but they ain't been looking at you like father. And God, I'm praying for there to be a revolution in our hearts today. Oh God, bring about a change in our hearts today, oh God, so that we may see you as you really need to be seen. That you're everlasting, Father, and that you've loved us with an everlasting love. Cover us with your Holy Spirit, oh God. Help us to block out the enemy and his whispers and his voice. And he's always trying to make us doubt and he's always trying to make us question. But God, I'm praying that in those moments that we may go to the word of God where it says that I'll be your father. You'll be my sons and daughters. God Almighty. Help us to know without a shadow of a doubt that we are your children. You are the one that heals the father wounded. You do it. Jacob was, we're all wrestling with God. I mean, Jacob was, he felt empty and he was like, man, the birthright going to make things better. All these things will make me better. But it wasn't until he came into a relationship with you for real that you changed his life. Some of us need a new purpose. We need a new calling. And we've been believing too often in what people, how people define us instead of how God defined us. Oh, God, help us to know who we really are. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.